are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker, that is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Friday. It is a Feedback Friday here on the Steve Day Show exclusively via Westwood One. Welcome to the podcast powered by CRTV. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here as well. We'll get to the feedback that you've been sending to us momentarily. But if you'd like to have your feedback considered, steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. And speaking of CRTV, we just wrapped up today's Dace Group, our weekly look at the week that was. Since you guys give um, even more of your opinions than you do during the regular week, I'm always hesitant to have you guys like tease like your own stuff. I mean, the reason why I have you guys do the teases Monday through Thursday is I sort of lead the commentary on those shows. And it's kind of hard. It, it, it's, there's something that's just kind of not right about going to your audience, oh, this is the cool thing I said. You're going to want to listen and want to watch later, right? <laughs> because what you may think is cool that you think you did, other people might not. Like, I tell jokes at my house all the time, and I just laugh and laugh and laugh, and my wife just looks at me, and she's like, that really wasn't funny. You know, so I make me laugh all the time. I'm not sure I can make other people laugh that well. That's why I usually ask you guys what the tease is. But since the, the, the roundtable is more of, uh, of an equal time effort than the, the show is the, re- the rest of the week, um, I'm more inclined to kind of give the audience a little taste of what's to come, if you guys are okay. I'm good. Yeah. And Aaron may have given the single greatest... You want some clickbait? I'm about to give it to you. Watch Aaron McIntyre give you the edgiest and best political analysis of the 2018 election so far yeah yeah i was homeschooled you'll never guess what happened next. there are literally no words yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when you watch it later today you'll see just how true todd's words just were so if you're not yet a subscriber to crtv if you use my name as a promo code you can become one right now and it will only cost you a quarter a day we're adding new shows all the time we just brought in eric erickson one of the original co-founders of red state you have the great one mark levin michelle malkin and more and including us so crtv.com promo code dace d-e-a-c-e that's how you can become a subscriber today in time to watch the dace group and all of the other great programming we offer each day here at crtv all right you guys ready to get some feedback you bet all right so here are some of the responses that we have received from the audience uh, in recent times i want to start with this one from lawrence from baltimore he says, I have to admit, I've been avoiding having a position on Israel. There's so much discord regard, regarding the rights of Israel versus Palestine that I've had a hard time seeing the truth. The craziness regarding the move of the embassy to Jerusalem, though, has pretty much cemented in my mind that Israel, as a recognized sovereign state, is just protecting what is theirs. Between the analysis of you guys, Daniel Horowitz, and others, I've got a better understanding of the conservative position. 
In the spirit of 3D thinking, though, I'm having a trouble. I'm having trouble understanding the opposition position. I can reduce it to they really hate Israel, which mostly works for the groups in the Middle East once you add in Islam. But it feels like a hollow explanation for Americans who hold that position that Palestinians have a right to the land. What am I missing? Is it just some kind of perverted Israel is an oppressor, so we must support the Palestinians identity politics thing? Or is there something more? The answer, I think, Lawrence, and I'll give Aaron and Todd a chance to react too, but the answer to your questions, both of them, uh, Lawrence, is yes, I believe. Both of them is yes. First of all, you have a natural leftist inclination to almost have an allergic reaction to a nation exercising its national sovereignty. Because ultimately, these are open borders people. These are people that, since they believe in the inherent goodness of mankind, they think things like walls, national security, clearly defined borders, national sovereignty, because they believe in the inherent goodness of mankind, they view these these machinations that those of us who have the, the orthodox view of human nature view as reasonable measures to protect ourselves from the fallen nature of others. They view these things as standing in the way of progress. Meaning, since they think human nature is basically good, they believe Israel is inciting Palestinian uprisings by asserting its national sovereignty. They don't see it the way we do, which is because of Palestinian uprisings, Israel must assert its national sovereignty. And this is the worldview difference. And there's no accommodating this, by the way. There's no middle ground to be found here. One worldview will win and one worldview will lose. There, There is no middle ground on this. When you take it to the extent that some of the progressives on the left have taken it to. And I don't think a political party in the case of Democrats that have been really the voice of the, of the what is it, 90% or more of the Jewish vote all of our lifetimes. I don't think it's inherent anti-Semitism. It's effectual anti-Semitism. Meaning that if you go back and watch the speeches Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump gave in the 26th campaign to AIPAC. All right, that's the big American-Israeli Jewish political action committee uh, here in Was- or there in Washington. If you just watched the speeches and listened to the rhetoric, I think I even said this at the time. Hillary's rhetoric, rhetoric was more pro-Israel than Trump's. But the effect of her foreign policy, the catering to the two-state solution, the, the continued legitimacy of Abbas, who's a, who was Yasser Arafat's chief lieutenant as a terrorist, as his terrorist mentor, as some sort of legitimate political figure. And he's morally equivalent to the duly elected prime minister of Israel, whether that's Benjamin Netanyahu or Ariel Sharon. The effect of that worldview will, will be anti-Semitic because it will put consistently the Jewish state in an untenable position that's indefensible. So there's inherent anti-Semitism, right? That, that's your alt-right. That's your, the most egregious example, of course, Nazi Germany. That's Iran putting the destruction of the Jewish state in its constitution. There's inherent, fundamental anti-Semitism, meaning you, you have a visceral hatred for Jews, for whatever reason. And that hatred is what is what 
manifest itself in the policies you pursue. And then there's an effectual anti-Semitism where even if you think you're doing the right thing, the effect will be you're not. Right? You may think you're doing the right thing by making a college woman who's, who's single on a college campus where at the same time that you think is a hunting ground for rapists, making her wait 5, 7, 15, 25, 30 days to get a handgun. But the, you may think you're doing the right thing. You may think you're not anti-woman. And in your heart, you may not be. But the effect, when she's walking down that dimly lit college campus that night and she is confronted by an assailant and she can't defend herself, the effect of what you did through your worldview will be anti-woman. You have made her more vulnerable, not less. Do you guys see the distinction I'm trying to draw sure. here? And so I think we need, to, we need to draw that distinction. Then there's the other. So I think that's why the answer, yes, it's a hatred of Israel, but I don't think it's an inherent hatred of Israel. I think it's an effectual one. Blinded by a worldview difference. Which gets me to question number two that you asked. The something more. If I asked, forget the Democrats. If I went up there and asked just elected Republicans, where did the Palestinian people come from? How many do you think could answer me this question? <laughs> oh, well, they'd answer it, but it'd be a bunch of nonsense. How many, if I went to the, the, the Trump State Department, forget the Obama State Department. Oh, oh don't. One I of don't, my favorite audio sound bites of the Obama presidency was when WorldNet Daily had their White House correspondent keep asking the White House uh, press secretary, what is the capital of Israel? And she wouldn't answer it. It's like a two-minute clip. It's just freaking great. Okay? But so forget the Obama. We know they're far gone, right? Because of what we just explained. There's a worldview difference there. But let's talk about the people that we think get the worldview distinction we just drew. But do they know the origin of their own worldview? Do they know why they think what they think since Lawrence invoked three-dimensional thinking, right? That's dimension number one. Do you know why you believe what you believe? So if we went to the Trump State Department, and we asked them, where did the Palestinian people come from? How many would know the answer? If you ask the average Christian, true or false, the Palestinian people contending with Israel for the right to the land are the descendants of the people in the Old Testament that the Israelites conquered in order to acquire the Holy Land. How many would say they think that's true? More than you probably think. Or they wouldn't know how to answer the question at all. I remember, because I was, I was with Newt Gingrich's 2012 campaign, so I remember that campaign very well. I remember when Newt got in tremendous trouble at one of the debates for saying the Palestinians are a made-up people. Oh, by golly. My phone was ringing with, with mainstream media phone calls after that. That's actually one of the most brilliant yep. things Newt said his entire presidential campaign that year. Because yep. he's right. They are a made-up people. There's no such thing as a Palestinian people. There's really no such land as Palestine. Historically, it goes back to references to Alexander the Great and other uh, imperialistic conquerors. But the claim on the land before the name Palestine ever came in to the Western lexicon, the claim on the land by the Jewish people goes back a millennia before that. Maybe more, depending on the calendar dating method you'd use. 
You can't on one hand say, I don't want to worship a God that told the Jews to go into the, that land and kill all those people. And then turn around and say, on the other hand, it's not fair that the descendants of those people that lost their land to the Jews, they're not, both those things can't be true. Mm-hmm. Either the Israelites went in there and, and urban renewed those cultures or they didn't, guys. Okay? And they mostly did. Now, sometimes they didn't follow God's order all the way through. They intermarried, and it, and it caused divine judgment. But for the most part, they urban renewed those seven tribes of Canaan. They removed them either completely or they removed them from a place of political prominence in the region and replaced. they no longer had hegemony over that region of the world. And this all went down well over a thousand years before Philip of Macedonia had a son named Alexander who then had no direct heir and so after he died his generals divided his territory and the gen- and the and I believe it was the Ptolemies that were that they were given uh, regency over that part of Alexander the Great's empire Antiochus Epiphanes the 4th goes into the temple in Jerusalem and slays a pig which, of course, is an unclean animal in the Levitical law, slays a pig's blood on the altar of the Holy of Holies, thus ushers in the Maccabean Rebellion. How many of you that are listening to me right now know any of this history? Ever heard any of these names? Now, let me make it, since I've already specified it, we're not even counting the progressive worldview, right? We're writing them off from this thought exercise, right? We're just asking the people that seemingly have the right position on Israel if they know why they have the right position, right? Let's make it even more circumspect because I know we have a pretty strong and loyal Jewish contingent in our audience, right? So if that's you, like I think of our buddy Jeremy Frankel at the, at the Daily Wire, okay? If Jeremy's listening, what he needs to do is next year, he needs to go to his boss, Ben Shapiro, and tell him Steve Day suggested this. You guys, you guys are going to pull a Steven Crowder or, a, or a, you're going to go live mic into the audience at APAC. Going to go to the APAC audience. Just start asking people in the audience, the Jews in the audience, who is Antiochus Epiphanes? Where do the Palestinian people come from? See what I'm saying going with this? Yeah. Ask. So we're already writing off the progressive voters. Now we're going to write off most of the Republican voters, and we're going to narrow this down right to the right to the nitty gritty. Go to the next meeting at APAC and just start asking people in the general audience, where did the Palestinian people come from? Who was Mahmoud Abbas before he became the leader of the Palestinian Authority? What, what did he do before that? Who was Yasser Arafat? What was the PLO? Who organized the bombing of the Munich Olympics? Start asking those questions. If you want to cut yourself watching the responses. Because if I'm right, I'm pretty confident that I am. People act on what they believe. And they can't they can't they can't believe what they don't know. This is St. Paul's axiom. How will they hear the word if there's nobody to preach it to them, right? This is the great prophet, is it Hosea in the Old Testament, who says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge, right? You don't know your legacy. You don't know where you came from. There's no such thing as the Palestinian people. There's no such thing as Palestine. 
the reason why there was not a mass uprising from moving the, the embassy outside of the Gaza Strip, the reason why there wasn't a mass uprising throughout the Middle East from moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, because most of the Middle East doesn't want the Palestinian people living in their country either, which is why they ended up in Palestine, quote unquote, to begin with, guys. How many of you listening to me right now have been taught this history? And it's not even this history. It's, it's history. This is the history. This is where this whole thing comes from. So I think the answer to both of Lawrence's questions is yes. Your thoughts, gentlemen. I, uh, well, that was a tour de force. Uh, there is one more thing, and it's the, the, I was also, I hung on the words, the something else. As with the uh, master key, piece cake shop the sweet cakes by melissa all of those who have been targeted uh for not uh baking the cake uh or giving the flowers uh what have you uh they are gone after uh not be not just because they disagree with the rainbow jihad because they disagree with them because they're christians they're not going after the muslims they hate uh, much like Lucifer, the one true God. They just hate. And I'm glad you're making that point. Yeah, that's I, where I, I should have made to. it myself. Yeah. You're right. And therefore, there's this nation out there. Even if that nation, uh, writ large, I, I doesn't necessarily believe that itself right now, but that's its heritage. That's its legacy. Uh, there's this nation out there that believes it's God's chosen people. Oh no, no, no! That will not stand to the pagan progressive mind. It must. Be destroyed, and that can that also leads to the effectual anti-Semitism. Yes, yes. Meaning that it's not inherent, but the, the, that's the effect of their rejection of the sovereign of the sovereignty of God at work in the world. They just they can't their their worldview will not abide that. That's an excellent point, Todd. And frankly, I should have began my own answer there, Aaron. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I, w- I was going with that for, for for progressives, and I know we're kind of leaving them. It is one of these things that their opposition to Israel. I think it's 75%, 80% tops, everything that you just pointed out, because it's a clashing of worldviews. The other 20%, I think, for most people, and it's probably even more for most people who kind of toe the progressive line, it's just the enemy of my enemy is my friend. There's that aspect of it, too. You bet. It's just, um, so, the uh, quote-unquote Palestinians are uh, the enemy of... Um, you know, uh, of uh, uh, the are the enemy of allies of my enemy. Um, yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna throw them under the rug. That's I think that's twenty to twenty five percent of it for the run of the mill progressive. Um, but I think Todd's point is is extremely cogent, and that's um, I think that's that's a big part of it as well. That's that's where the gut reaction, that's where the gut level instinct comes from. I think what Todd pointed out. Robert Purbeck writes, thanks for having Glenn Beck on your show recently. I've been a member of The Blaze since inception. It's GBTV. But I disagree with his answer to your first question. I think the young voters believe conservatives are fascists and supporters of the alt-right, KKK, etc. I believe Bolton's error was failing to recognize that Gaddafi gave up his nuclear program because of Bush's attack on Iraq. Then Obama and Clinton decided to eliminate him. Different party, different beliefs, cause for concern in international relations. I think conservatives need to stick with act 
active support of the Constitution and with every opportunity, use the Socratic technique, ask the opposition why they believe what they espouse. We as conservatives must always follow Jefferson's point, question your beliefs boldly. I love the end of that email. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. As to Bolton's error with North Korea at the time, I'll defer to Robert on that. Aaron, your thoughts on he thinks Glenn didn't go far enough in what the millennial generation thinks conservatism is. What do you think? Do they think we're flat out racists um, writ large? It again. I'm I'm going to go back. Um, I'm going to go back to that. You can't paint this all with a broad brush. All of us are. Um, all of us hate being painted with a broad brush. That's about the only thing that you can paint a broad brush with, as far as millennials go. I think for some, I, I think for some, um, that's definitely uh, you know anything, anything that you don't it, for the for the snowflakes, anything that doesn't agree with me. Uh, you're obviously racist, homophobic, misogynistic, bis- bigot because um, they've been. There are uh, uh, hordes who have just been worked over by that throughout their entire coming of age because of progressives, Marxists in the school system and the university systems. And so they just, they're not victims, but at the same time, they've been worked over by that. While at the same time, I really do think that there is a larger than maybe what you, maybe what you think offhand, there's a larger contingent of people who are just sick of political correctness slash um, they just, they're political, um, I don't know if agnostic is the, right, is the right word, but they just don't care. Ambivalent, that's the word I was looking mm-hmm. for, politically ambivalent. They don't really care. Um, but I still think that the dominant, the, the dominant feeling, since millennials only deal in feelings, the b- dominant feeling throughout the millennial generation is one of progressivism, uh, which is exactly why... What you've said ever since 2016 is true. We are we have to be in evangelism mode, um, but at the same time, I don't want to discount. There are hordes. I think um, not as many hordes, but there are hordes of people who are just sick of political correctness and who are politically ambivalent. Now, what fills the void there? That's the other question. It doesn't necessarily pe- mean people are being or millennials are becoming more conservative. It just means that maybe they're just sick of the way things are. All right, next email. Todd, I'm going to throw this one to you. Um, Bob Hawkins writes, I finished your recent podcast about the beliefs of one's religion being conflated with bigotry. It reminded me of a debate I had with a friend of mine about parents who rear their children in their religion, whichever that may be. I posited that a parent who has a certain view of salvation is going to raise their child with that mindset because they believe it is the way. Otherwise, why would they believe it? And more importantly, why wouldn't they want that salvation for their child? My friend said, no, they shouldn't do that because it should be the child's choice, presumably at whichever age that occurs. The debate started in reference to a parent who was understandably angry that the local school teachings were undermining the family's Christian faith. What are your thoughts on this parlay? Am I missing something or am I just spitting into the wind? Now, I don't know the specific context. I think I can ascertain from the way the email is phrased that one possible, because I do think the, the specific argument here matters in terms of the answer. If my, so I'm, I'm going to give an answer based on my assumption that the argument went something like this. Okay. And Bob, you can write me back later if I'm wrong. That one person may have a high view of God's sovereignty in predetermining salvation. And therefore, 
is teaching that uh, soterology, which is just the study of, of salvation, is teaching that soterology to their offspring. The other one places a higher emphasis on the free will of man in that interaction. And therefore, in order to reinforce that, is leaving room for the, the free will of their own child to work out their salvation individually in fear and trembling. I think that's where this is going. I could be wrong. But since you didn't specify, I'm going with it as my best guess to give this answer. And now that I think about it, I don't know that my answer would be much different even if my assumption is wrong, actually. I think I'd probably give the same answer. Don't worry so much about telling and showing your children what you believe as much as you do why you believe it. You're dealing with, an, with, with a generation that has more knowledge at their fingertips than any in the history of mankind. And a lot of it's bad and a lot of it's wrong. On the other hand, I would always rather err on the side of getting access to, to getting free access to bad and wrong information than having some government entity filter out what the right stuff is for me to consume, if you know what I'm saying. But if we're going to put that sort of, if we're going to take our chances more with liberty than we are with coercion, then that shifts the responsibility from do I trust government to am I willing to do the hard work myself to follow and seek out truth. How I think is best for us, and, and I might be uniquely qualified to answer this question because of what I do for a living and the personality that I have. And one of the things I've been concerned about is my kids have gotten older, and this, is the, this, this was one of the reasons why the argument that there weren't enough kids at, at our, our children's age at the church we went to for 10 years and still love and adore speak with the people there every now and then still. But this is why we, we switched churches. This, was, this is why, I, I, after, I, after prayerfully considering it and setting my ego aside, this is why I agreed to do this for my family. I loved the fact our previous church, Grace West here in West Des Moines, was culturally engaged, that our pastor was a willing participant. And I admire Bob Deaver immensely. He's almost been a father figure to me. But our kids get this at home all of the time. All of their lives, really. I mean, when dad got converted, Anna was two and a half years old. She can't really remember a time daddy didn't take her to church. Zoe and Noah have never lived in a time where you know Noah was born in 2007 I made the switch from news from sports talk to news talk the year before that my son has never lived in a time that his dad has not been a public advocate for the Christian faith never lived in that time and Zoe who was born in 05 can barely remember a time when that wasn't true and they've never lived in a time where the expectation was we don't get up and go to church on Sunday morning And now, you know, Noah is 11. Zoe will be 13 in a month or in about three weeks. Anna's 17, basically an adult with a car and a job. And, um, you know, she's going to graduate early. She's, she's really an adult. And so 
we're at the window now with Anna where I've I've invested in her as her dad what I really can invest. And now it's the time to see whether the investment pays off. And we're at the stage with Zoe and Noah now where they don't they don't need my approval and desire it. Well, they still need it and desire it, but not as unconditionally as they did when they were three or four. Meaning they would have done anything for it at that age. For daddy to say I'm proud. Now, if they do something they're proud of and daddy's not immediately proud of it, they don't, um, they don't immediately say, ah, you know what? The old man's right about this one. You know what I'm talking about, Todd. No. This is the age they're at now. And so we have to come now and reason together a lot. Anna le- learned as a teenager to come to me and say, I don't agree with this decision. Help me explain to me why we're doing this. Do we have an answer other than that's just the way we've always done it? And I, I, actually encouraged her to do that provided it was not in a disrespectful manner absolutely we got to have a better answer other than because we said so our kids have seen us sin our kids have heard us sin and as they get older they remember those things a lot longer and a lot more vividly than they did when mom and dad got in an argument when they were two years old and they went into the rooms till it was over <laughs> okay and so it's more important for us to have real good reasons why we've reached these conclusions than, than just sharing our conclusions. This goes back to the podcast we did yesterday. Never, ever, ever sacrifice anything for the relationship. Beginning with your own relationship with your own creator. Like you don't let other people draw you. You don't keep relationships with people that cause you to estrange your relationship with God. Even in that equation, what are you putting first? The relationship. You're just prioritizing one relationship over another. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You don't let your kids come between you and your wife or you and your husband. I said to my little princesses from the time they were little, they, I adore you. You're beautiful. I love you. You will be my princesses forever. Don't ever, though, don't ever go against my queen. And even when I think she's wrong, I may address it with her in private. But I'm always taking her side over yours. Because when you little princesses walk out the door, guess who's still going to be here? The queen was here before you got here. She will be here after you're gone. So I'm always taking the side of the queen. You just need to know the order of things. There's, I'm still prioritizing relationship. I'm just prioritizing one relationship over another. So when I say never, ever forsake the relationship, I don't mean I'm going to do what I know and and advocate what I know is wrong and bad to remain friends with this person. That's not what I mean. Because you are forsaking a relationship if you do that. You're forsaking the relationship with your creator. You're saying to your creator, this person matters to me more than you do. That's what you're saying, right? So you're going to go with this person as opposed to hanging with you, Jesus. So when I say don't ever forsake the relationship, I'm assuming we understand what the priority is. Uh, the hierarchy of relationship is here. Number one relationship is you and the one who can cast your soul into hell forever. Amen? Number one relationship. Number two relationship would be you and a spouse if you have one. Number three would be you and your children if you have them. Number four would be honor your father and mother. You guys okay with this hierarchy so far? Yeah. Yeah. If you have a career, a boss, right? But if your boss tells you to do something Jesus says is bad, should you do what your boss told you to do or what Jesus said to do? That would be the latter. Yeah, and even though your boss can fire your sorry keister, he can't cast your soul into hell. Jesus can. So don't fear the one that can destroy the body. Fear the one that can destroy the body and cast the soul into hell. Fear that one. So it's always about relationships, guys. You're not you're not some squish, lib, 
theologian by making relationships the priority. You become a squish lib theologian by screwing up the hierarchy of relationships. That's that's where you become a squish lib. Rob Bell wasn't a squish lib because he said it's all about relationship. No, he's right. It's all about he is right. Where he became a squish lib heretic is when he said, well, it's really about the relationships the world says matters, not the one, not the order that God puts them in. That's, that's where you become the heretic there. So it's always about the relationship. It's not an, your children are not an intellectual transaction. They're people. And it's going to be very complicated. I see in my teenage daughter, my oldest, I see her at times take heroic stands for her faith. And then I turn around and I see her do things. I'm like, and she knows better. Why'd she do that? And then I realized I did that yesterday and I'm 44 years old. Okay. <laughs> Maybe that's why she does it. She sees her old man do it. She's also human. The relationship matters most, matters second, matters third, matters fourth. And maybe fifth, maybe fifth. But you just have to have the right priority of relationships. Do your children know why you believe earnestly this one view of salvation over another and why this is important to your life? And then ultimately, you know what you do? See, your children aren't going to stand and give an account for their lives to you when they die, but to their maker. And then ultimately... They have to face the consequences for their own actions and their own decisions and their own beliefs, not you. You know, Paul says when we get to heaven, there's no marriage except one, Christ and his church. Our goal as parents is we are husband. You know what the term husband comes from? It's an agrarian term. It's a horticultural term. It's someone who nurtures life into existence or from existence, nurtures it so it blossoms, so it blooms. They may even plant the seed, if you catch my drift, but are they the one that brings the seed to life? No. The seed has life because the one who gave it to them put it there. Ultimately, my goal as a father has always been for the kids that one day, Zoe and Anna are my sisters in Christ in heaven, and Noah is my brother in Christ in heaven. That's, that's the goal. But they have to have their own individual relationships, and so what I've had to learn over the years is I can't, you know, Paul says, don't exasperate your children. I've seen a lot of culture warriors lose their kids because this is all they ever saw of the Christian faith was this part of it. Just like if all your kids ever see is the merciful side of God and then you wonder, why are they out here immorally acting out? Well, you never taught them the law of God, right? Right. You never taught them God's judgment. On the other hand, if all they ever see is dad proclaiming truth, you know what they never really see over here? Mercy triumphs over judgment. They never see that over there. And there had to be, we needed more balance in our family. And that wasn't about Grace West. That was just about our family. That's all. Now, your family, now, most of the families at our old church, they don't do, their dads don't, or mom and dads don't do full time what this dad does. So their kids could use some of that old time religion every Sunday, if you know what I'm saying, right? Because that might be the only place they're getting it. On the other hand, the day's kids, they kind of know the song, guys, chapter and verse. That's all they have ever seen. 
I wanted them to see there's more to this. Because I don't need them to conform to me. I'm not worthy of conforming to. I want them ultimately to be conformed to him. And that may look different in their lives. Maybe the reason Noah has a softer heart than I do is, I don't know, maybe he, you know, he wanted to be a doctor when he was younger. Maybe he'll be the pastor I could never be because I just don't care about people enough on an individual level. I don't. I don't. If the job of pastor was this part that I'm doing right here, oh, by golly, I did it a long time ago. But this is the easy part. It's all the other stuff you have to do. I don't want to do that. I want to, I want to rest at night. I don't, want to, I don't want to do that level of ministry. My heart's not in it. That's why I do it this way, in this, in this place. And I think we have to leave room for our children to become the men and women God created them to be. And not be the theological equivalent of Little League parent. Or my kid, why isn't my kid playing more? Does that make sense? Todd, your thoughts. Uh, Yeah, I have a very specific version of that within the Catholic faith uh, here in our particular diocese. It can change. But uh, when my daughter is, uh, all my daughters, but my oldest daughter, when she's... uh, a sophomore, she's going to be a freshman next year, uh, she will participate in the Sacrament of Confirmation, which is ultimately the, it, uh, it's a bit um, uh, uh, like in the uh, Jewish faith when you're uh, 13, you're um, bar mitzvah, you know, mm-hmm. a, a coming of age and a, a taking your faith for yourself. So I, I do agree that at some point, the handing over the car keys is, is vital. And along those lines, you, you see ch- every, most most Catholics, whatever the age in the particular diocese is, it's just, you know, you, it, it's, you're, you're getting confirmed, kids. Put on your nice suit. You, you take the classes. You check the box. You do it. Uh, I, with my kids, um, this is you. Don't, don't you dare do this uh, without wanting it. And meaning it. If you need some time to think about it, yep. that's fine. But if you just go do it, you're a blasphemer. And uh, which is not to say that uh, that's not something uh, that I'm not guilty of in my own life. It's because I am guilty of it in my own life. I'm going to tell them, no, 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 no. You want this relationship with God. You want the car keys. You be sure you're ready to drive. But the gentleman who said this about um, it's totally uh, up to the immunity. Um, you know, that men like that and he may he may do it from a place of relative good feeling maybe not i don't know but he he does not even believe that uh they they never believe that it's just up for grabs in their own life they have their own doctrine they have their own creed there's a fantastic movie i really loved it i don't think you ever saw it steve uh a couple years ago uh captain fantastic with vigo mortensen i did not know now you, there, it is well worth your time to watch. Now it is, there are things that uh, it's not for your kids, okay. But you are simultaneously going to want to punch Vigo Mortensen in the face <laughs> hard, and you are, in uh, fifteen minutes later or before that, you're like, that's my guy. He's an incredibly complex character. He takes this family out into the woods. He raises the, he raises them in there, and he's deconstructing tribalisms that he has every right to, and and it's fascinating. But then his own prophet is Noam Chomsky. So he's 
he he's doing both um and 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 he's like the rest of us man some you just talked about why you're you're looking at your daughter like what, what are you doing right now when just yesterday you you, you know uh, i was nominating you for sainthood well because that's us and that's vigo mortensen in this movie just a guy that's just uh, uh, nuts in one moment uh the worst kind of nuts and then the good kind of nuts in another um so it it don't I just wanted to make sure that that was pointed out. When people point out that it it's just an up for grabs for everybody, and you're doing wrong uh, by your kids by teaching them, you know, like I said, it, it's funny. It's providential, yeah, I'm glad, perhaps. I'm, I'm, I'm that, glad you're talking about that, it that way. That perhaps that I mentioned this early in the week. You know who doesn't believe this? An atheist like Penn Gillette. Right. They they don't believe that. They 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 want the re the, an atheist worth their salt, and there are very few of them these days. They really want the good argument um so give it to him in my situation my kids already hear all these arguments yeah i needed so one of my job as a dad is to see is to is to is to make sure things are happening holistically right without a yeah. vision the people perish yeah. right my kids were getting all the def- they they there was never a question of what dad thought was true and why what my kids needed was was we were we were heavily scored on one side of the equation here. I needed to balance it out a little bit so that they would either not a reduce this merely to a theological intellectual exercise and become self righteous about it, or b which is the more often uh, thing that happens they just rebel against this because they think it's heartless and merely an intellectual exercise and dad can't even live up to the standards he's, he wants the government to enforce so well, yeah, I didn't want to in other words I didn't want to raise Francis Schaefer Jr. okay because right. as much as we all were just talking about Francis Schaefer last week his, the son he left behind is a freaking train wreck alright Who, whose professional job it is is to go on MSNBC and then clown Christianity I so in my, in my that's why I made this specific in our situation our kids needed more freedom and mercy to be modeled because they were already getting what was what you were talking about in your home though whoever's listening to this it might be different your job as the leader of the home is to know what is it our kids are lacking what what is it what is it that my experience and my wife's experience and that and in, in, in our faith walk that we that we bring to the table, but we can't bring we can't we not everyone since you're not Jesus you can't bring everything to the table. There's always something some missing pieces. You need to figure out how to fill those blanks in. If you want to raise well-adjusted children that um, give you the best chance of train up a child in the way he or she will go, and when they are older they will not depart from it. And even then, it's not a foolproof plan. We're still sinners. You know, oh, that's one of the most chilling parts of being a dad who loves their. Tell kids. me about it. Oh. Yeah, tell me about it. You know, a few years ago, Noah came to me wanting to get baptized, and my rule in the home has always been: I don't ever ask any of the kids if they want to be baptized. They come to me, and they come to me. They have to show me they're serious about this. Similar to what you were just talking about, which kind of sparked my my uh, thoughts on this. And so, one of the first steps I always had the kids do is I have them write out what baptism means and what it means for them. Not, I don't want them to start with what it means for them. What does it mean? And then you tell me what it means for you and why you want to do this. And then what ha- happens is, if I think the answer is sufficient that they intellectually get it, I will say, all right, let me think about it. And then I won't bring it up again. I'll wait for them to then come back to me. 
Because now I want to see if they're pursuing it or if they're pursuing, I saw my friend get baptized, I thought this was cool, or I saw a dad baptize my sisters and I want him to do this to me. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So Noah wrote the exact right intellectual answer a nine, 10 year old boy should write a couple of years ago. I said, I said, all right, buddy, great job. Let me think about it. Now it's been about two years. He hasn't brought it up again. Have I brought it up to him one time, do you think? Probably not. Not a single time. I, ha- I still have his answer. It's still in my desk. I haven't brought it up to him. Well, Steve, what if he, what if he dies in sin? Well, you know, um, I'm going to trust and put my faith in that a Lord who would not even spare his own son to save me has the best interests of my own son in mind even more than I do. Because <clears throat> Christianity is the air we breathe in our home. Doesn't mean it's perfectly always lived out. <laughs> but it's, the, it's our natural habitat. My son is not aware of the fact that if, if you die apart from Christ in your sins, you go to hell. He knows this. What I need him is to believe it. What we know and what we believe are not always the same thing. And I have, he greatly desires my, my affirmation and in more ways that the girls did not. The girls needed to know from me, they were beautiful, they were pretty, they, they, they could reach their potential. No one needs to know from me he can be a man. There's something deeper existentially there that he needs from me. And so I can, we could go get baptized at Valley West Church, our new church. We could go do that next week. If I, if, I, if I brought this up to Noah and said, hey, how come you didn't bring this up? Oh yeah, you know what I should, we'd go, the very next baptismal service, man, I'm there dunking Noah. How do I know? How do I know that he's doing this for me or some other reason? I don't. So what was the point of what we just did, right? How many parents baptize their seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 year old kids? You're a homeschooled kid, Aaron. How many, how many of your friends were baptized seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 years old and now they're burning down lung darts? Way too many. Uh, banging, banging their girlfriends or boyfriends. You know what I'm saying? How many of them, Aaron? Way too many. Yeah, yeah, way too many. Way too many. We've joked about this before, Todd. Where did I always party when I was a kid? Catholic school kids, man, their parents, we lived in an, an upper middle class, West Michigan suburb, so already everybody had a standard of living, but your parents could afford to pay you to go to school twice, the public schools, and send you to private school. Oh, you guys always had the best beer, always had the best alcohol, every time. Yeah. Let's close with this. John Sire writes, I'd be interested in your take on the prison reform bill that just worked its way through Congress. There are people I respect who hate it, like your Daniel Horowitz, and others I respect who are for it, like the late Chuck Colson from Prison Fellowship. I haven't caught your shows, but how do you reconcile this? That's a great question, John. Well, first of all, we don't know what the late Chuck Colson would have thought about this particular method of prison reform, because he passed away before, long before this legislation made its way through Congress. Now, we do know, um, theoretically as a general value, this was a principle he would agree with. Whether or not this particular piece of legislation would fulfill what, what that part of his mission, we don't know that. But that doesn't take away from what is, I, what is um, a dilemma that someone in my position has to work through 
when there is a matter of great principle and conscience at stake and people you have and, and rightfully have because they've earned it, uh, you, you place a high value on their opinions. You have given them a lot of respect that's been earned and yet they're looking at the exact same thing and they're coming to different conclusions about what it means. Here's how I've chosen to, to navigate this after doing it wrongly many times really in my career. Jesus said, by their fruit, you will know them. So I have no issues. On the surface, I'll give you just one recent example. On the surface, I'm probably a little bit more lenient on the Alice Johnson thing than Daniel is. I have no problem, though, letting Daniel go off about this. Why? A, because he's earned the respect of taking his opinion, even if you don't, you're not sure up, up front 100% seriously. And B, if this woman is not reformed, if she's not the sob story Kim Kardashian portrayed her as, guess what we're going to find out? That. Because what will she inevitably do? The dog will return to its own vomit. So when she walks right out of that prison cell and immediately starts praising Jesus, which she did right on camera, by the way. Well, if she if that's true, then why why are we so sympathetic to this black man in Nashville who was let out, turns out erroneously early, then lived, it was it several years he's been out, Aaron, right? A couple of years, yeah. Yeah, and he's lived a perfectly well-adjusted life and now they want to put him back in. Well, do we have proof of a record that this guy's reformed? He's rehabilitated. He wants to live a different life. Do we have proof of that? We do. We do. So what's the purpose of putting him back? Because it's not murder, right, or rape, right? That's not what he was in there for. Am I right? Right. Okay. So we're not talking about eye for an eye restitutional justice where you took something of ex- of the highest value of another person's personage and essentially have therefore forfeited your own. We're not talking about that. He did pay an extensive debt. Even though he was erroneously let out, he has lived righteously since being let out. What is the point of putting him back in then? Same thing will happen here with Alice. It's Johnson, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I always yep. keep wanting to call her Wilson for some reason. Same thing will happen here with Alice Johnson. She'll either be praising Jesus or cocaine grandma. It won't be a middle ground. It'll be one or the other. And, and that's why there's no point in arguing about something that ultimately one side's argument will be proven. Now, Daniel, if he were here today about prison break, would say, when we're talking about letting out violent offenders, then you could do harm to other people. And on that point, undoubtedly, he's correct, which is why I have no problem letting him trash this legislation. Because, but, but in the end, I don't have to reconcile the two viewpoints. The outcome will reconcile it for its own. So you know what you do when you, have, when you have two groups of people or two individuals who have earned their credibility, have earned the respect that's been bestowed, you let them have their say, and then ultimately, the outcome will determine the winner of the argument. There's really no need to get in there tribalistically or you know, personally and, and start choosing sides. If this, Daniel will either be proven prophetic about jailbreak or he'll be proven wrong on this. That's all. It's not that hard. It's pretty simple. It's just not easy. <laughs> Todd, final thoughts. Uh, well, 
my final thought will be on this issue. I, I, I think prison form um, perhaps is a noble undertaking. Uh, I think it's uh, probably necessary uh, on some level, but I'm kind of like this uh, as I am with uh, the marijuana issue. Uh, I, I'm, I'm open to discussing the legalization of marijuana, but uh, it is so low on my list of priorities. Uh, and I know when I, if there's any deal making to bed, oh, you, uh, okay, I, I'm, I'm all ears. How, how about you hear me on what should be on the top of the list for anything else? And you will get uh, either uh, that blank look uh, uh, from your dog when it cocks his head and it doesn't understand going on, or you'll get outright animus from them. Um, I, I'm just not prepared to make a deal. I, I, I kind of just don't trust the motivations uh, behind uh, this particular issue um, or uh, its place as an emphasis in the culture that's burning down right now. Aaron? Yeah. Um, if you've made it to this point this week on uh, listening to all these podcasts and maybe even watching all of our shows, congratulations. Sorry we don't have a prize for you. But if that's the case, we've uh, we've covered a lot of uh, seemingly existential issues this week, which is really not a whole lot different from any week, but for, for, for some reason this week seems a little bit more um, urgent. So I would encourage you, don't end up in a ditch this weekend and <laughs> get off of Twitter and social media and enjoy the weather. Aaron realizes that his analysis on the roundtable today was so good you were hesitant about giving any other takes right yeah because you just you got to go out on a high note dude i totally i'm feeling you right now yeah when you hit you see what happened is aaron hit his walk-off home run like in the seventh inning yeah and we (laughs) two innings too yeah two innings too short now he's like crap man i gotta come up to bat again how am i gonna top that no no but that's good advice stay out of a ditch yep have a great weekend enjoy yourselves thanks for tuning in here today on the podcast if you get a chance please click subscribe uh, on your podcasting uh, platform leave us a positive review if you have time those always help us to spread the word so many of you have done that already so thank you very much to those of you who have to all of you listening though have a great weekend as Aaron said back again on Monday until then John 317 this is Steve Dace I like you 